Jim, thank you so much for the chance to join with you today and join Ripon in discussing the continuing uh, forums that you do on policy issues. And I suspect that uh, this is one of the very, very critical ones uh, and an appropriate time to be discussing uh, this issue. And I want to thank my colleague Tom Cole for taking time out of his day uh, to, to, to be here. Uh, it's kind of funny because this is an issue that, that is so difficult to put your arms around because it's ubiquitous. But I, I was reminded of a little comment that I just saw the other day uh, from, from a comedian. And he said, uh, you know, I was watching the Indianapolis 500, and I thought to myself, if they had left just a little bit earlier, they wouldn't have to be driving so fast. How do you really, what, it's, it's sort of a sense of perspective, how do you think about this? kind of a thing. And I think cyber is not a bad place to sort of sit back and rather than sort of jump into all of the details of this, to step back for a moment and just let you reconfigure your thinking about what really does cyber mean uh, and, and, and how are we being impacted by this thing all of a sudden. Well, I think first is, is you have to get a sense of the seriousness of this. And we used to, you know, as prosecutors, a lot of your message was delivered through the testimony of others. Let me just take a moment and focus on a couple of things that are being said by some pretty important people around town. Uh, FBI Director Robert Mueller anticipates the cyber threat will succeed terrorism as the greatest threat to our country. NSA Director Keith Alexander, General Keith Alexander, said that the loss of intellectual property through cyber espionage is the greatest transfer of wealth in history. Just last week, former Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta, who earlier talked about a cyber Pearl Harbor when discussing those, those attacks, said that these attacks could soon shift from simple espionage to destruction. The Director of the National Intelligence, Jim Clapper, said that Potentially disruptive and even lethal technology continues to become easier to access and that we foresee a cyber environment in which emerging technologies <coughs> are developed and implemented before security responses can be even put in place. I would suggest to you that there's some pretty serious people around town. And when you see them and when you see somebody uh, you know, like Leon Panetta at the last speech he delivers, he goes to New York and talks about the cyber Pearl Harbor. It's a recognition that we're dealing with a very, very serious issue as we as we discuss. So, so, so how are we approaching this from from you know the, the big picture? Well, one of the things we've got to realize is this is no longer just something that it's government, you know, and then everybody else. What is government going to do? We are inextricably tied together in this. When I say we, I mean you know, government needs to be completely part of a public-private partnership in which we work together in what is a shared challenge. This will not be something in which government can sort of sit back and say, aha, we're going to tell you what to do. For a variety of reasons, not the least of which is industry in many ways is way ahead where government is in this, in this particular issue. But 90% of the capacity in the internet is all situated within private industry. So therefore, we need to have that kind of collaboration on that level. So how do you look at it? Well, one of the ways was discussed was, and the second thing is not be overwhelmed by this and recognize what we call the 80-15-5 principle. But the 80 principle is that 80% of the issues that we're dealing with out there in terms of the cyber world, and one of the banks that I talked with in New York 
It's a billion hits a day. A billion a day. But 80% of that traffic could be handled with what they call simple cyber hygiene. And that means that all of us have a sense of responsibility to be doing things that protect the systems that we deal with. But if we did it, 80% of this would really not be an issue. You would you know, push it to the side. And it's important because it cleans out a lot of stuff that can be get in the way when it comes time to really be trying to identify serious threats. The next 15 is, is somewhat serious things. I use the, you know, the anonymous attacks you've seen where they come in and they you know, put their banner in some kind of a place that uh, nobody had really appreciated. But even that is described to me as, as, as a bug on the windshield uh, on, you know, by, by some. It gets a little more serious when you start talking about organized crime rings and, and you know, uh, Eastern European countries and things like that. But that's also something in which that's where a lot of the collaboration is taking place, the great work that's being done in some of the security services and others that work together. There's still an ability to handle the greatest bulk of that with the existing systems that we have. It requires a lot of communication and collaboration. And this is where I'm talking about this whole theory right now of, of, of information sharing. And that goes to the heart of a lot of what we're trying to do right here. Because that last 5% was described by, to me, just the other day, was what <coughs> I'm talking about. And in the words of the military, that's when you have the serious actors that I just identified, these state-sponsored groups or others, and they've gotten inside the wire. That is when we've got the kind of potential threat in which you've got very, very serious players who are sophisticated and have found a way to pierce multiple levels of security. And now you're concerned about what they're doing, what they know, what they're stealing, what they could do in terms of laying a, you know, laying out a pattern of activity in the event we got engaged in some kind of a cyber uh, activity. And that is where we need the ability for real-time information sharing using the best of the capacities that we have in the government the FBI and the NSA and Homeland Security working side by side with industry and others who are also on the cutting edge of these technologies. Uh, one of the things you have to realize too is that this is not a static issue because with the nature of the internet is such that the constant innovation that's taking place and we can't stifle that. I mean this is the way we continue to grow and we do things but it's you know it, it's we're, we're dealing with a process in which things are constantly changing within the environment. New, new technologies are being implemented, but simultaneously the threats are becoming more sophisticated uh, as business practices are changing around the world. So we're, we're dealing, in, in essence, with a moving, not a target, we're a target, but we're moving constantly as well. And so what we do today could be obsolete in a week if we don't have the ability to continue to be communicating about what it is that we need to do to, to protect ourselves. So, you know, you get it down, you start to say, what are the core responsibilities? We want to work on reducing the vulnerabilities, to minimize the consequences of what happens, to identify and disrupt threats as early as possible, uh, identification first, and then utilize that to disrupt the threats, to improve the resilience of systems if, in fact, we are uh, impacted, and then lastly, to hasten the response and recovery, particularly to our critical infrastructure. So there is a game plan. There's a sense about priorities. And I think that's the way we've got to approach this. And it certainly is the way that the 
government will be working with the private sectors to try to do it. All of this subsumes the larger question of liability protection. What, what standards are we going to have out there so that if companies and, and you know, industries meet and reach certain kinds of standards, they then qualify for some measure of protection, of liability. You know, if you share, will you be protected? And that whole question is going to be essential uh, to a, a lot of both encouraging and, and incenting um, the, the private industry to participate in this information sharing and also going to be important in, um, in determining how it is that we deal with the aftermath of incidents. So I'm talking about a lot of this from sort of the corporate perspective, but the reality is as well, you know, there's a lot of individual issues. And one of the real challenges, and, and you know, and, and Mike and Dutch are doing great work putting this issue out right now. You're going to see one of the first things, one set of bills that will be going out next week, but this whole blowback comes into the privacy question. And there's legitimate questions that are being asked. You know, what level of information is going to go over to the government? We're doing instantaneous things with state banking records. You know, internet records, is somebody going to know information about emails that I'm sending? Now the answer is no, they don't really need that. But right now there's a lot of thinking out there. People are saying, what's being shared with the government? And they're particularly concerned because today the government, is it the NSA? Is it the FBI? You know, and think about it in another context. We have international corporations. And now suddenly they're doing business overseas and somebody's going to say, are you sharing my information with the NSA? How would we feel if what we were doing, if we went into China, we knew everything that we were doing was going right to the Chinese authorities. So we've got to deal with the ability to somehow create the appreciation that we've got to shield the sense that it is going you know, to, to our most sensitive uh, agencies. And one of the things that I think you're going to see is, a, is an appreciation for what we can do at Homeland Security with a civilian agency it already has in it a series of protections that are built into to, uh, privacy, uh, which has been a, the, the, the normal course of, of business uh, before then. Those are just touching, and you can see what is a very, very complex issue. <coughs> but I do believe that there's more work that's gone into this than any other thing that I've certainly been associated in my short time in Congress. And we will continue to do this, but what's going to be vital is that this is not something that's going to be a one-and-done issue. This is something that this collaboration is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, and it may create a new sort of paradigm for how the government and the private sector works together well into the future. So what we are doing right now is part of what is going to be, by necessity, a continuing and ongoing communication, dialogue, and engagement, because what's at stake is nothing less than the safety and security. So I am very, very grateful for your interest in being here today as now sort of beginning to appreciate some of the issues. We will continue to work as effectively as we can with our resources to communicate with you as we move forward.